Hello everyone and welcome back to the Three Guys Talk Football Podcast, the podcast where three guys talk football. That said, this week, three guys will talk football, but it'll be two <laughs> guys talking football followed by two other guys talking football, except one of the guys talking football will be talking football twice. I am said guy talking football twice. Um and I'm joined by Chris King for the first part. How are you doing, Chris? Hello. I'm all right, thank you, George. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, and we will I will be joined by Nathan for part two later on. We we had a bit of scheduling issues, but you know, we wanted to not lose momentum instantly, so we are gonna make it work. <laughs> uh, apologies for double dose of me, but such is life. You say apologies, George. Is it an apology or is it just two times as many awesomeness? Uh, that's up for our thousands of listeners to decide. Let us know on our new Twitter account, which is at hey. something to do with three guys talking football. <laughs> it'll on. be in it'll be in the uh, it'll be in the podcast description or when Christopher King finds it. The sheer, um, the sheer momentum, I will find it. Lovely. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to ramble on about the fact that the Premier League is back. Um, how did you find weekend one? Where we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, your personal um, non-FPL. <laughs> do, we weekend, have, but, do we have? Do we have? The Premier League in general. You happy? With the Premier back? League in general. Premier League in general. I'm happy is back. That that's that I haven't got a problem with. Watching watching all the teams do well. Watching some teams that I thought were going to do better, very much like my own, then do, then suck. Um, for those listening that don't know. I support for my sins, Aston Villa, which makes me sad um, because we got smacked 2-0 by Bournemouth and that was just depressing in every single word possible. Um, been watching a lot of the reactions online and they're all just, you know, shambolic, embarrassing, pathetic words to words to such effect. So, um, yeah, it's uh, been that that was that was a bit tough. Yeah, this is interesting because I was going to save Aston Villa till a bit later, but uh, you no, brought us onto it. It's clearly a wound that <laughs> you need to try and heal now. A bit of catharsis. So, uh, yeah, obviously it's, it's game week one, and that's easy to say, as in, you know, use it as a mitigating factor. Mm-hmm. But how are you feeling after game week one for Villa? It was um, could not really have gone worse. Not to put words in your mouth, but that's... it could it couldn't have gone worse. It couldn't have gone worse. Judge, you're not wrong. I think the problem the problem is twofold, right? The problem is one, we lost to a Bournemouth team who their own manager was openly admitting they were terrible, which is just you, it's it it it's like it's like trying to mug somebody who goes, please mug me, and then you end up mugged. That's what happened. That There's was a, literally yeah. what happened. That is exactly what happened. I've been searching for the analogy for days now, and that is. Exactly... <laughs> but you know, it was just, it was just a two sloppy goals from set pieces again. Like, oh, it's just it always happens. It's always this way. Every single season, we're all like, "Yep, nope, we're we're gonna go." The owners obviously are all putting out this rhetoric to charge for Europe, and Gerard himself has been like, "Yeah, the aim's got to be like top half, if not seventh. That he's literally said seventh which i think was a mistake more i think about it the more that was a mistake you don't set down the yardstick so early when you're still in transition moving from one manager to another and especially moving such like aggressive systems as well in terms of the fact that like obviously dean smith was letting players stay up until like 2 a.m playing like fifa or whatever on the playstations and then coming in at like two o'clock in the afternoon 
Um, and then Gerard's obviously come in, put really rigorous standards in, and then weirdly fallen out with Tyrone Mings in a very odd sense, which I, I, I'm still not sure how I feel about. But so you've got very much got the immediate knee jerk reaction, right? Of like, you know, we ultimately sit down and we go, oh, you know, two sloppy goals, it's all happening again, no doom and gloom, blah, 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 blah. But the real problem comes when you look at the stats in the last six months two wins from 13 now. That is, that's not good. That is, that's really not. He's got the same, exact same stats in terms of win percentage as Gary Neville at Valencia. And that was like renowned as a joke. So that's obviously a sad surprise for you, but that kind of brings me on to um, the question that I was going to start with before I was rudely taken off course, which is (laughs) what was the kind of biggest surprise for the first game week for you outside of, you know, Aston Villa? Um, What kind of struck you as something you weren't expecting, but that could kind of alter your perception on how the season's going to go? Um, If you want a bit of thinking time, I'm going to start by saying that. I wasn't expecting a full um, disclosure. I wasn't expecting Haaland no. to hit the ground running in the way that he did. I thought I thought he'd be up in the goals by the end of August, 100%, but to just dominate a team that has been so solid for a good few years now in the way that he did, it's terrifying. And uh, you are looking at that game against Bournemouth. They're, I think they're going to be... Look, they're going to be feeling fortunate that they've got three points already because yeah, yeah it's, it's looking ominous for them next uh, next game. But outside of Holland, anything that you're kind of focusing on that you weren't I expecting? Mean, the Har- the Haaland thing was was definitely one of the things that kind of surprised me, especially in the fact that he made that West Ham defence look ordinary, which was they're not, they're very much not. They're a very good like defensive unit, right? Um, but it was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to run it behind. And I'm going to do it again. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to do it again. Um, and there was literally nothing they could do, which is just terrifying. Um, I think, I think Leeds winning weirdly, weirdly quite surprised me, given given how many transfers they've had and how um, different they're playing. Right, like they're they're an example of a team that's actually bought into the philosophy of the new manager that's come in. Um, obviously, that aggressive man marking from Bielsa before, where it was just. You know, it was literally just eleven, like eleven versus eleven. You stood on the other players, right? Whereas Jesse March has got obviously come in, like implemented a complete new style of play. Lost the two, the club's two best players. There's no argument that they were the two, club's two best players, and brought in unproven Premier League players. Like obviously they're proven elsewhere, but like not necessarily proven in the Premier League. And they've all seemed to have, have kind of come together as a unit. Uh, and they haven't even got Sinistera either, prop, like properly firing, which was obviously their big signing to re- replace Rafinha, right? And then he's not even there. And they're still, we're just able to be like, yep, that's fine. We'll, we'll crack on. Um, that and Spurs, there wasn't necessarily a surprise, but Spurs just being dominant, I think needs a, needs a look at because like, my Lord, they just tore Southampton apart, didn't they? Yeah, I'm, as a Chelsea fan, obviously, next game against Spurs, I'm hoping that the Southamptonness of that game um, help, helped in their dominance. You know, I'm hoping they're not going to be as extremely formidable as they were against us. Um, but there's only one way to find out, which will be next weekend. But on Leeds, that kind of brings me nicely into the third point I wanted to touch upon, which is um, pushing you for an instant knee-jerk reaction, a, a big claim 
for the season based on game week one. And based it's interesting solely, you mentioned, yeah, yeah you, you mentioned these there. And, you know, could one of the knee-jerk reactions be that they won't be in the relegation scrap this year? Uh, are you willing to commit to that sort of thing? Or are you staying away from that? Have you got anything else that you think before this weekend you wouldn't have thought it possible? Like Mitrovic, for example. Um, yeah, Mitrovic in Van Dijk. Liverpool. Yeah. yeah, what 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 stuck out to you that you think can stick for the entirety of the season? I I I, I think my bottom six is pretty much nailed on, right? I think it is just gonna be, um, I think Brentford seem okay, so I'm not gonna necessarily put them down there, but like, um, they were in my thoughts. Obviously, losing Ericsson being such a vital player for them, but like, it's obviously like the bottom six will be Bournemouth, Fulham, um. Nottingham Forest, um, Southampton, then Leeds, and then Everton. I think Everton not replacing Richarlison and then losing Dominic Calvert-Lewin for such a long time is gonna. It's gonna be a repeat of when Leeds lost Bamford last season and didn't replace him, and it was just awful to watch. Um, I think they're gonna be down there. I think Leeds will will do well, but will slightly be dragged into it purely from like, you know, when you've got like a new team gelling together and then they hit a bad patch of form and then suddenly the wheels fall off. Um, that's what I can kind of see happening. Um, obviously, it could just be like a Crystal Palace last year where they just all gelled and it was fine and no one needed to worry. Do you know what I mean? So it could very much be like that. But I think weirdly, weirdly, genuinely, and this is depressing to even think about, I think if we're not careful, we could get drugged down there. I really do, which just makes me sad to even think about with a team that's like got at least Europa League level players in it. Yeah, and that was not at all what I was expecting. I, I genuinely thought you were, and you obviously still could, um, push for European places. That seventh didn't seem a crazy option, a crazy aim uh, before Bournemouth. But that has really, I think what it's done is just emphasise how the it's basically got people worrying that the end of last season wasn't just a case of I'll oh, get to preseason, get the signings in, and then we'll push on because there hasn't been that. You'd have expected a jump after that happened, and there just hasn't been that. Um, so that is worrying, and and I've, I've been saying, you know, I think if Stevie G can make it to the kind of World Cup, I don't think you'll have too as, as many players going as other teams. You, it's kind of a second preseason. Um, it, it really depends on the mood at that point. I think I think he deserves until then because you have only just kind of tailored this team into his image um, or closer to his image. I still think he would want more money spent, but obviously you've got to be sensible with that as well. And you are in a, a place where you have a a risk of having a bloated squad if you, especially up top, which is where I think you need to strengthen most. Even though the d- defensive side of it was pretty terrible um but yeah i do think you're right it's not out of the realms of possibility that after talk of europe you know the relegation spots can easily open up uh, as everton found last season my knee-jerk reaction is a bit more of a basic one but i do think this is the year that we see i'm going to say on record the a better mitrovic um i'm going to say he's going to get double figures in the league that's my that's my knee-jerk reaction because He's came up against one of the best defenders in the world in Van Dijk, a player who doesn't often get embarrassed, and he embarrassed him to the point where he was skinning him on the halfway line. This is Mitrovic, one of the 
slowest players in the league doing footwork. They just had Van Dyke scrambling. Uh, and obviously, he, he has that intelligence. Not that you need too much intelligence to realise that Alexander-Arnold is an easy target in the air. But he peels off Van Dijk so easily. He just bullies Arnold to, to score his goal. Um, yeah, I think he looks like a player with something to prove. And actually, this time, the commitment to prove it. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep that up. And again, a nice, seamless segue into seamless. our final point, which is your basically focusing mainly on your uh, fantasy Premier League updates because rumour has it there's been a pretty quick wild card played and um, talk of a Mitrovic signing potentially. Where did you settle? What's your 11 now? What were your big moves? And, uh, and why did you pull the trigger so early? Well, well, we'll start. We'll start with why we pulled. Why I pulled the trigger so early. Why I pulled the trigger so early was because there was a dramatic over reliance on Arsenal, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think Arsenal will be spotty, and obviously they've got Leicester coming up. Um, they've got, um, you know, they, they were, basically there was. It was just my my thinking. My logic was if. Martinelli doesn't do anything, then Erdegaard will. And if Erdegaard doesn't do anything, then Jesus will. But like relying on three players to get six points is kind of silly. So what I've what I've done instead is dramatically over rely on City instead because they don't seem to be bringing in the left back that they want, which means that Walker and Cancelo will start most games. Harlan, like you say, hit the ground running in just ridiculous fashion and with Bournemouth coming up it was just stupid not to but to be able to afford to do that I had to get rid of Son and to get rid of Son and then bring Haaland in was just like a nightmare points wise because obviously they're playing two different areas of the pitch and all that kind of stuff so that's kind of what initially sparked it um, and then I realised as well my squad wasn't quite balanced there was there was three, four, four or 4.5 mil players obviously to try and min-max the squad but the problem with that was that if the start 11 had a tough game, so for example, like Reese James up against Tottenham, who are flying, and I'm a bit like, oh, is is James really going to be bowing on as much in that game as he might want to? Probably not. Um, and then I was also looking at, you know, players like the Villa players that I've got in that I'm a bit, obviously I know will start, but probably won't get that many points or aren't at least as guaranteed to get points. Um, so instead, we've we've got three strikers now who can all play instead of only only having what well, I only had one last week right I only had Jesus playing um, because I had Skamaka as well which was again it was a bit like a kind of utility signing almost um, and also I was sleeping on Newcastle I think I think I, I didn't I didn't give them the credit they deserve for last season and I thought the bubble would burst they'd kind of have a rude awakening in the Premier League and I, I maintain they probably will at some stage um but i think to not have pope at least was a bit of a bit of a mistake given that he's like a 0.5 mil cheaper but you can get pretty much guaranteed clean sheets quite a lot of times they do defend really well which is weird to say of an eddie howe team um so yeah so so the new new start 11 for this week uh pope in nets instead of martinez trips has kept his place cancelo's kept his place with the plan to swap him to robertson next week um Walker instead of Robertson. Um, and then keeping, obviously, Nico Williams for that just 4 million defender so you can kind of stat pad. 
Um, so that's the back three. Then Salah, obviously. Joel Linton, which again, I think is a signing that not a lot of people will be making on FPL. But given that he's like this marauding number eight slash left winger now, he's going to be either in the goals or in the assists. So it just makes sense. Um, Kulisevsky, because he'll always be starting in that front three. Um, and is just a disgusting player. At the, I couldn't believe he's 22. How did I not know he was 22? It's insane. Um, Martinelli, again, he's going to be playing that kind of second striker, easing in from the left wing while Saka will be staying wide because obviously Arsenal play that slightly asymmetric system. Um, so again, Martinelli just makes sense over Odegaard, who seems to get the pass before the assist, which is great in terms of like actual play, but in terms of FPL numbers, isn't beautiful. Um, but losing Son, you know, losing um, a seven million defender meant I had an extra two mil to play with. So I got rid of Cameron Archer and instead bought in Mitrovic for Ka- Mitrovic for Cameron Archer and then Haaland for Skamaka, which is a bit of a glow up on both departments, really. Um, and that means that I've got as well De Silva instead of Leon Bailey because he'll be playing in that Ericsson role, but for 4.5 mil instead of 8 million for Ericsson. And Brentford don't look like losing the form that they carried them into the second half of the season. Very much in the same way that Villa, but like actually in a good way. Um, so yeah, early wildcard purely because of, I think I was looking at the games and I was like, the players I'd picked in the first week were good for the first week. I got like 67 points. So I did, I did relatively well. Um, but I think I picked them based a lot on fixtures as much as anything else. And then I was like, got to the second week and I was like, oh, there's a lot of like Leicester or like, um, you know, other teams. And I was a bit like, mm, this isn't, this isn't necessarily great. Whereas, you know, if, if Newcastle are coming up against Spurs, for example, but Brent Brentford are against Fulham, I'll just switch out Joe Linton for De Silva or, you know, put James in or whatever. You know what I mean? I've got a little bit more flexibility now, whereas I didn't have any flexibility at all. Um, just having those two players to be able to swap off the bench is just so nice. Um, and like I say, Cancelo will be going for Robertson, so I can have that Liverpool City defense bias because I think it's I think it's stupid not to have that. But at the same time, I think when you can just have two guaranteed, pretty much guaranteed seven points against Bournemouth with Man City players this week, what? Why wouldn't you? Um, and then switch it next week. So already got the next week planned. Heard it here first. Yes. Love it. The forward planning um, is intelligent, and I think those moves have made your team a, a lot stronger and scarier to the point where I'm kind of looking at mine and thinking, how have you pulled that off financially? Uh, yeah, the min-max approach is one thing, but I think, yeah, you, you've gone for a balance of different teams, uh, different values. I think it's a terrifying prospect, especially considering I triple-captained uh, in week one for Salah and ended up two points ahead of you, I think. So uh, I'll take the lead of any sort after last season's um, failures on my part. But it's a slender one, for sure. Um, my move was mainly swapping out Kane for Haaland. I spent all of last episode rambling on about how great Kane's going to be under Conte. Um, and I still think that's going to be the case. I worry about him against Chelsea, for sure. But I just think, like I've touched upon before, Haaland... With City, I think Haaland is more important to City than Kane is to Spurs right now. Um, like you mentioned, Kulisevsky, the Son, the wing-backs in a Conte system get so many goals. You saw Alonso under Conte at Chelsea. Um, whereas I think you know Pep is doing something that you haven't really seen him do before, which is 
to change his approach and his system to suit a player. It's really quite interesting to see that happening. Um, yeah, it's really think... it's really weird, isn't it? Like seeing yeah. seeing Pep actually kind of because we saw the opposite with Aguero, didn't we? Yeah, he, he just came in. It's like, yeah, you're not fitting in. Off you go. I know you're a club <laughs> legend, but you're got you're done now. Um, yeah, whereas Holland, I don't know whether it's just. I think he there's a mutual respect there. I think, but they both know that they're working with kind of generational talent, both one with the manager and one with the player, and there's a real determination to make it work because they know what can happen if it does. And I think you've already seen that. And I, Holland does just have the feel of a player. He has that confidence and that arrogance. And he clearly knows, he's proven that he can fit in Pep's system. So I think he, he genuinely will be a player where you expect at least a goal a game, especially yeah. against teams like Bournemouth. So I think it was one of those, I just kind of, it was a shame to use a free transfer on, what's basically a like-for-like swap, but I just think Holland is a long-term fit now. He's he's going to be in there in, until he gets injured, if he does. When, um, when he gets injured, because he will. Yeah, but I think you'd just be crazy to miss out on those points, especially when you know that so many rivals are going to have him and have him captained, if not triple captained, against Bournemouth. So mm. he's kind of making that change now before you're left behind. So, mm. yeah, a bit, bit of a panic-free transfer, but at the same time, I'm happy with my team. There's a real mix of, of teams in there and nice fixtures. I mean, the only real tough fixture for my players is is Spurs. Obviously, you know, you've got Newcastle against Bournemouth, which will be a tough game uh, for, not against Bournemouth, sorry, against Brighton, which will be a tough game for them. But Newcastle just feel as well-oiled a machine as Brighton. So that'll be a really interesting game. I'm not going to lie, Newcastle feel as well-oiled a machine as City at the moment. And I know that sounds hyperbolic to say, but, like, they are scary good. Yeah, within their parameters, for sure. Mm, like, yeah, within yeah, the, you know what I mean? the best of the rest, they do feel like it's, it's between those and Brighton for the, the best run team and club right now. Um, and, yeah, Newcastle have been buying intelligently, which I don't think anyone saw coming. I think everyone no. expected, you know, Aiden Hazard and Ross Barkley to be lining up. Proper uh, But they bought yeah. so well, yeah. It's a shame they're owned by who they're owned by, but... It is a real shame. You know, that's, that's not, yeah, that's not that. So that is it for part one uh, with Chris King. Thank you for joining me, Chris. It's been it's a blast diving into your uh, instant panic wildcard, which actually doesn't feel too panicky because it's a very... <laughs> um, and uh, I will be joined by Nathan in part two. Until then, with then being about 20 seconds of music, take <laughs> And we are back for part two, and I'm joined by Nathan Warby. How are you doing, Nathan? Yeah, I'm good, yeah. Yeah, so I'm uh, from the future, or, or, or is Chris just from the past? I don't know, but yeah, I'm good. Let's not dive into what Chris is. He'll be a terrifying <laughs> to unravel. Um, I want to get started, really, but with a big talking point from a certain club's game from the weekend. You know, it has to be Liverpool with yourself. Uh, it was yeah. an interesting game, one that I think could have ended worse than it did, uh, if not for a certain Darwin Nunes. As I want to start with him and, and kind of get your thoughts on what you think he's going to bring to Liverpool and, you know, how impressed you were with him when he came on. Can he do it from the start? Is he going to be an impact sub? What What do you think the season's got in store? 
for Dolly. No, yeah, I was uh, I was really impressed with him. I thought um, obviously up until that point the game hadn't really been going our way, and I, I think he's completely changed it purely because yeah, he he, he just gives centre halves something, centre backs something to uh, some something to deal with. Uh, I think the problem that we were having up until Nunes came on was obviously Firmino likes to drop deep and run towards the ball, whereas Nunes is always running behind, you know, making those like little diagonal runs into the box, and yeah, it, it just gives. I think once it I think once it clicks, it's going to give Trent and Robertson on either side something to aim at in the middle. And I think that's something that we were lacking up until that point. Um, whether or not he can do it from the start, I think remains to be seen. I, I, I think to begin with, I think he might be the sort of player that we only sort of use against certain teams. So teams like Fulham that are going to sit back and you know like do a little low block where it's very much balls like the ball's going out wide and then into the box. I think teams like that he'll be perfect, but. I yeah, you know, maybe, maybe against a team where it's going to be a bit more, you know, tippy tappy playing on the floor. I think at that point, for me, what Jota might be the better option. Yeah, and that, I was going to ask, who do you think would be sacrificed? Who's in trouble out of those two more so uh, if Nunes does come into the team more? Because it feels like Jota, obviously, when he first joined, he was like this real wild card, and he hit the ground running. But I don't know whether it just feels like defenses have kind of worked him out a little bit more. Uh, do you worry for him, or do you think he's still got a lot to offer? I think he's got a lot to offer. Yeah, I think, like I say, I think it'll, I think it'll depend, it'll depend who we're playing. Because um, I think a lot of time, I say, I think, I think people have worked him out a little bit, but his his actual record, like he, he does still pop up with a lot of goals for us. So I think he, I think he's a good option. So I say he is something very different to Nunes, purely because I think he's more, you know, you know, intricate on the ball. I think in that sort of situation, he's he's probably the one to go for. Um, I think that, I think the person I'm worried for the most is probably Firmino. Like after watching him on Saturday, because uh, granted, I I think uh, Jota's out for the next couple of weeks, so that's why Jota Jota probably would have started ordinarily. Um, but once once Jota's fit and if you know Nunes, Salah, Diaz are all fit, I just don't see where Firmino fits in anymore. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, it does feel like you kind of evolved past him in a way, and it, it feels like well, you're starting to play a different type of football, uh, I think. And, and I think there's something that's spreading across the Premier League, like you've seen City with Haaland. The return of the traditional striker seems to be coming back, just as Chelsea give up on the idea. Yeah, as soon as you go false nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be the case. But if there's not... An, Anyone with a number nine on their shirt at Chelsea, it's probably a good thing. Uh, that's probably. usually where the yeah, problem is. Um, but I wanted to touch on Liverpool more widely as well. How do you how do you think the season's going to go? Are there any knee-jerk reactions based on this one game? Uh, were you surprised at the performance at all? What What's your kind of thoughts on them as a team? Uh, I was surprised, purely because I think... I don't know if you watched the, the Community Shield game, but in that game, like we, we looked really sharp and it looked like it looked like the season had never even finished. It looked like we just picked, you know, picked right where we left off. But um, so I was surprised that how slowly we started, especially in the first half. I thought, if anything, it feels like Fulham kind of played as their own game. You know, they were pressing high, loads of energy, you know, making it impossible to play through in the middle. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it's, it's the first game. I think it's, um, I think a lot of it could be down to the fact that, you know, it's, it's the first game of the season, newly promoted team. Uh, it was hot. We stride out the pitch, if you believe Jurgen Klopp. But um, I think, yeah, you know, well, like th- those first sort of 20, 30 minutes with how like intense Fulham were, I just think 
it just wore us down. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we were expecting it so much. I think we were expecting them to just sort of do the uh, do the normal promoted team thing and just sit back. But I think when they didn't, it shocked us a little bit. Um, we got a little, little bit better the second half. I say when when Nunes when Nunes came on and he uh, he's just chaotic in the box. Like just just lump the ball into him and he just you know something will happen whether it's him scoring himself or someone else will you know it'll bobble off him or something. But um, no, I, I'm not panicking. I, I still think City are going to win the league, so I'm, I'm not. I'm not expecting us to. Uh, as long as we mount some sort of challenge, I'll be. I'll be content. But I, I don't think there's any reason to worry just yet. I, like I think the um, the injury to Thiago is probably the, the, main, the main thing that I'm worried about. Yeah, and it does feel like as soon as he is off the board, your midfield is starting to look a, a little bit more questionable because. Obviously, Cater doesn't feel like someone you can trust, and you know you're the ones that have really carried you over the last few years. They're, they're getting on now. Um, is that a concern? Do you think Liverpool will go in the transfer market um, and perform a miracle by actually buying two players in a window? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'd be surprised. I think. Um, don't like. I, I agree. I think without Thiago, I think the um, not to knock obviously like Fabinho. I, mean, I think Fabinho is world class, but not to knock like. You know, Henderson and the other players that we've got, but I think the 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 sort of the pedigree of midfield that we've got drops massively if you take Thiago out of it because he's just like he he can do things and the rest of our midfield can't. Like he's if you want someone to play that killer pass, you know, like you want Thiago to be on it. Um, so that's like that is a little bit concerning. I, I don't think we've got a lot of options now. Um, but then but then uh, obviously Har- Harvey Elliott's back now, and I thought he was brilliant when he came on against Fulham as well. So, you know, it's, it's not the same sort of player, but it's still a midfield option. Um, whether or not we're going to the transfer market, I'd be really surprised, personally. I think, um, I don't think Klopp's the kind of manager that will sort of panic too much and just do the Man United thing and just go, oh, we haven't got somebody, so let's just, you know, who's available sort of thing. I think he'll, he's willing to wait, and he trusts the players that he's got, and he's willing to wait for, wait for the player that he wants, which... It, if you believe the rumours, is is hopefully going to be Bellingham, which would be amazing. But if not, I think he'll, I think he'll be able to draw somebody in. But I, I would imagine it's January at the earliest, probably summer next year. And on the flip side, obviously you got a good look at Fulham. Were you surprised at how good they were? And in particular, obviously Mitrovic, he's a big talking point, and uh, you missed our knee-jerk reaction uh, mini-special within this episode with Chris, where I said this is the year. Mitrovic is going to get double figures. I think he has has done before in all comps, but I don't know whether in the Premier League. But just the way he looked like a much calmer presence up there. And um, I was saying, you know, to be someone who can have Van Dyke panicking a bit, I, I haven't genuinely haven't seen that for a long time. Uh, were you surprised by all of that? Uh I wasn't surprised, but I, w- I was surprised with how surprised we seem to be, if that makes sense. Um, obviously, as soon as you've got Mitrovic going for a header against Trent at the back post, you know you've got problems. Uh, probably shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. But um, now I thought Fulham, I thought Fulham were brilliant. Like I say, if, whether or not they can maintain those same sort of energy levels for 90 minutes every game of the season is something different. But um, I'd be interested to see what happens when. 
they play another team that's you know maybe another another newly promoted team like Bournemouth or something where they're going to have a lot more of the ball. And I'm interested to see how they handle that because um, obviously then it's um, it's less about sort of what's the word? It's, you know, it's less about the um, I suppose the energy of midfield and more about you know like being composed on the ball and playing football yourselves. Um, but yeah, I think if they if if they can maintain it, I think I think they'll. I think they'll survive easily if they play like that every week. And yeah, I agree. I, th- I think Mitrovic could easily get double figures because I know it sounds weird because he's been there for what four or five years now. But it feels like well, I think he saw it last season. I think it's finally sort of clicked how to play with him. And like, um, and I think he's developed quite a lot as well because I was, I was like, you think of him as just this, you know, lump the ball into the box, he'll win a header sort of thing. But he actually looked a lot tidier with his feet than than I remember him being the last time he was in the Premier League. Um, and his work rate tracking back as well was was brilliant. So yeah, there was that one bit kind of when he ran towards the halfway line. I think he bodied was it Henderson and then yeah. skilled yeah. on Van Dijk. You just think, what is who is this guy? Yeah, what has he become? Yeah, I, uh, I, was yeah. cussing, I was cussing out at that point. <laughs> Public enemy, hoping for a twisted ankle. Yeah, no, of course, whenever that petty here. Um, and I just wanted to finish by turning it back to FPL and how you first. Weekend went to pull the curtain back a bit. You you are bottom, not to add pressure. But we all, we all six, 60 plus points, uh, all of us, which I think yeah. is pretty good. And I, I triple captain to get there, so I've kind of cheated. But uh, how, how are you feeling after the game? We want any big moves? And Chris has pulled a wild card already. Uh, really? In true, in true really? Chris. He's really? pulled a wild card. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it was kind of needed. He's got a much more balanced squad now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you say bottom, I say third. It depends how you look at it, really. Um, Drew, there are no, everyone gets a medal in our league, which is the, the nice exactly, thing. Exactly, bronze medal at least. Um, I was, yeah, I was relatively happy. Like 63 is not not a bad start. It was above average according to the app. Um, there, was, there was a couple of players that didn't play as much that I'd hoped like would. So, um, like Perisic not starting was a problem for me. Um, obviously. Arsenal won, but uh, Gabriel Jesus didn't do too much, and Kane not scoring in a 4-1 victory is frustrating. Um, and there were a couple of players that I, that I sort of took out last minute that um, ended up performing. So, like I, I've been debating between Kane and Haaland, and ultimately went Kane, which was a mistake. And I like I had like one of the first players that I put in was Kulusevski, and I took him out and ended up with Lingard, Neto, and Martinelli. Uh, Martinelli scored to be fair, but Lingard and Neto didn't didn't do too much. But um, now I think I think a lot of people sort of they sort of planned their teams for this first week, whereas I've I've picked mine for a much more long term plan. So uh, and, I, and I've still got one point five mil in the bank. So um, I'm I'm not making any sort of quick transfers yet because I want to save up those. You, you can get two transfers, can't you? So at some point I might have a little rejig. But I think I think for now I'm relatively content. Yeah, see, I have already pulled the trigger and, and switched Kane out. Um, we talked about this in part one, but it's just that thing of he was so good against Bournemouth that yeah. even though I think Kane is going to have a great season and probably challenge for the Golden Boot, uh, I think Holland is going to be the same. And it was just that chance to get him in before Bournemouth, uh, before the Bournemouth game. And, yeah. you know, well, hopefully, as a Chelsea fan, you'd like to think we'd put up a tougher test for Kane, but you never know. Especially against Conte, but yeah, you like yeah so you're feeling pretty confident. That's, that's nice. Yeah, relatively, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. um, 
if it's like I'll hang on for another couple of weeks, but if if Kane's not doing it, like Holland will be straight in. Don't worry about that. And maybe even Nunes as well, because uh, my, my other my little wild card pick of uh, Undav for Brighton, he, uh, he he played precisely one minute. So, hell yeah, yeah. Mystic Meg Mystic coming Meg, through yeah. there. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of our. A little special on game week one. Apologies if there are any audio issues. Uh, fans are on because it is scorching. Um, and we also just use the worst mics that we can find. Um, you got to keep it organic, haven't you? You've got to keep it grounded. We don't, don't want people thinking we've got too professional during our hiatus. Yeah, too big um, for the Yeah, exactly. But if you have stuck through to the end, thank you. It's always appreciated. And we hope to catch you on the next one which is TBC, because they always will be. But we will try our best to get in there regularly. Until then, take care, thank you, and goodbye.